0: What's up everybody, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson, I'm your host, it's Thursday, May 28th, the days just keep ticking along and uh, you should have a daily NFL podcast by your side in these harrowing times, download, subscribe, rate and review, leave a five star review if you want to ask a question, if you got a complaint about a show uh, or if you want to talk about, um, if you want to ask us a question about a team, a player, uh, I don't know, like what, like. John Breach's, uh, you know, swaddling methods, whatever you want to ask us, we will answer it. Leave it as a five star review. Uh, also make sure to join our Facebook group, uh, go to uh, facebook.com, search for pick six podcast on today's show. Chris Trapasso joining us traps to talk about second year players who could make the leap as it were. Uh, you know, I know that like, all right. So, so traps, um, the, the leap, like I like to phrase the leap. I do know, like it is. Do we feel like? Do we feel like it's a uh, a generally acceptable? Like, is it is it a uh, universal? Is it a phrase that everyone can use, or did because like NFL.com did the leap before? But I feel like the leap should be uh, universal intellectual property. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think uh, anyone really can use it. And to me, though, it's difficult because it's like there are and, and, many- and also
0: what is the leap.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. That it's interesting because being up here in Washington, New York, like, it's interesting to get other people's perspective. Did Josh Allen make the leap last year? Like, he got way better from his rookie season, but maybe not yet. So I think to some people, it's like second year players that are superstars, um, in that second year. And some, it's just making a little improvement where they're going into year three. Um, but usually by the second, Year for a player, especially an early pick, a first or a second rounder, you want to be getting, you know, high quality dividends from that guy. It's, it's with rookie contracts, four years, maybe five years, and with how quickly head coaches and GMs get fired in this league by year two, you need to see some major improvement. If a rookie did not have a good first season.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so, it's just paramount that like, especially a high pick. Like, So, for instance, we're going to talk about Kyler Murray, obviously. I mean, he was the rookie of the year. He had a great season, Um, you know, flashed, throwing the deep ball, all of that. But, like, if Kyler Murray had stunk last year, everybody in Arizona might be fired. Yeah. Like Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime. I mean, and look, all credit in the world to that front office for having the huevos to double down and take another quarterback a year after taking Josh Rosen and trade him away. But, like, if it doesn't work out, That would have, like, I mean, that's the thing is like, like Nick Bosa, maybe not, not a, like he had a huge year defensively. If he doesn't play well, there's no pressure on the 49ers. Maybe they don't make the Super Bowl, but it's not like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. You know, if they, if they go 13 and three and losing the first round of the playoffs or the first playoff game to the Vikings, like nobody's going to come at them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. Position players are a little different. Quarterbacks are in their own realm that really outside of Jared Goff and, you know, he had Jeff Fisher in his rookie season. In general, if you don't show some encouraging signs as a rookie, chances are you're just not going to cut it. And I think Josh Rosen, ironically, is kind of um, a prime example of that, that his rookie season, yes, the offensive line was bad, the receivers weren't great, but his rookie season in 2018 was terrible. And Kyler Murray had a similar situation and performed a lot better. And I think Steve Keim and, and obviously bringing in Cliff Kingsbury, they said, look, look at Josh Rosen's film in 2018 there's just really no good throws whatsoever he didn't elevate the team at all and Kyler did so by year two if you're a quarterback um, and you did not have a good rookie season if you have back-to-back bad to average seasons you can pretty much shut the door on that player at the quarterback spot
0: well and even Jared Goff like now it's like oh well maybe yeah. we should have jumped the gun on Jared Goff and go all right let's get to those quarterbacks since you mentioned them um, okay so what's what is a leap for a second year quarterback, generically speaking? Are you is it stat wise or? Uh, no, that's sort of the question, I guess. Like, like, like cause you can throw for 5,000 yards and stink, I guess. I mean, you know, it could be all, you know, it could be all garbage time. So they I mean, get like, do, like, what do you want to see? Just like, like anticipation, certain throws, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think for any
1: of these quarterbacks, and we can start with Kyler Murray because we were just talking about him. Uh, I did a season long evaluation watching all the plays from the first and second year quarterbacks last season and graded them. Um, Tyler finished fourth in like out of the 17 quarterbacks who played.
0: Out of and the first and second year. Quarterbacks. First
1: or second. So 2018 class, 2019 class. There was actually you fourth. Fourth out of 17. There was like with Will, Will Greer playing David Blau. There was like a ridiculous amount of young quarterbacks who played last who's, year. Who's he behind Lamar? Lamar, Josh Allen, and Drew Locke who only played five games. So really right. with a bigger sample size, he was the third best. That's fine. For me, it would be eliminating – there were two pairs of games, back-to-back games that he was terrible in that I don't know with all the hype for him, kind of got glossed over uh, two games that I graded in the D range and then later in the season, same thing, that he was – Cruising along, playing pretty steadily, um, and then later in the season, just two back-to-back games where he looked really, really bad. To eliminate those complete stinkers where he's almost holding the team back from winning a game, and then, like, I want to see that. And the fact, um, like what you were saying more specifically, more anticipation, uh, taking better care of the football. That's certainly the case for Daniel Jones. It was for Josh Allen last year, Lamar Jackson. Taking care of the football and not having a true stinker um, and just when you're not having the best game, it's still not so bad that you're holding back your offense and thereby holding back your team.
0: Which, um, which games were stinkers for Kyler?
1: I don't have it pulled up right now, but I, that's fine. I, I,
0: I was going to guess that it would be, um, did he throw a picks in the stinkers? I'm guessing it's like Carolina and Pittsburgh. Those are his only games where he threw more than two picks. And then the Rams, I guess, in week six, week sixteen. Yeah. 16. Okay.
1: So I have this Google sheet of all the grades game by game. I don't have who the, uh so just, playing. The his third game and his fourth game That's
0: and, actually I think that actually helps your case, by the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, true. You're like, You're like, right. like, I don't know who they're playing, but yeah, anyway. He got back to back D pluses in his third and fourth game. And then B A minus that's
0: uh, Carolina a loss and then Seattle a loss. Yeah. Not good. Games. And then and then B A minus C B
1: minus C minus Couple of B's and then two D's, like late in his, uh, second yeah. and third to last game, or third and fourth to last games.
0: I think that's, uh, the, against the Rams and against the Steelers. Two, two, two good defenses. I mean, two pretty good defenses. So, and
1: with yeah. we're, and like with Kyler Murray, 64% completion, uh, 20 touchdowns. He ran for four touchdowns, 12 picks. Um, so the stats are pretty good, but, and it's, an, it's, could be a further discussion about the quarterback play. Watching that offense, like you mentioned, three or four ridiculous downfield throws each game where you're like, wow, the ball just jumps off his hand. He's this little guy ripping it 30, 40 yards down the field. But so much of that, bubble screen, RPO, slant, jets, like so much of that Cliff Kingsbury, the air raid, we think it's just all deep passes, but so much of it is just getting the ball to receiver. So I think DeAndre Hopkins being there, who's good after the catch, um, Andy Isabella getting kind of, Ingrained in that offense, I think that will help him. But to see sixty four point four percent completions, it th- it makes it seem like he was super accurate, never made a bad throw, because that's a high percentage of completion. But really, it's very it was buoyed by that offense at Cliff Kingsbury. Road. Yeah, I mean, I would even
0: say that like I think sixty four point four percent completion is not that great for Kyler. Like in that no, offense, like no. you, you want you're like an air raid offense. I mean, you know, you're you're not that you're supposed to. You know, have the same stats that, that guys have in college. But I mean, like, you know, for example, I mean, like Graham Harrell completed 69.8% of his passes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I mean, Baker Mayfield, not the same thing per se, uh, because, you know, you're playing in an Oklahoma type of system and it, it is similar. Like it comes from Leach because it came from Ruffin Neal who came, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, like, you know, Kyler Murray completed. Uh, what, 69.8 also percent of his, uh, passes at, at Oklahoma. So I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think, again, I, I don't expect completion percentage to transfer completely from college to the pros. The hash marks are different. The game is different. The, the opponents are much more difficult. You're not playing against the Big 12. I get it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think somewhere closer to 70%. All right. So is that, is it, is that a fair assessment then? Like, like what is, so what is a leap for Kyler? Is it, 70% completion is 4,500 yards, think, 30 touchdowns?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, he had, like I said, four touchdowns on the ground. He averaged around six yards per carry as a runner. He did have 48 sacks that led the league, and, and in watching all of his games, that was not all on his offensive line. First read, then he would get to the second read, and then he would just kind of run around like Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. Uh, ran into a lot of pressure as well. I think 66 to 68% completion. Uh 30, 35 total touchdowns, and get that yards per attempt up over seven, 6.9 last year with how many deep shots you're taking and how much yak there is, he shouldn't be under seven yards per attempt.
0: Yeah, and looking at – I mean, there's multiple games where he's under five yards per attempt. I will say, too, that, like, at various times last year, it felt like the Cardinals were running a slower offense
1: like, 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 they
0: didn't, they didn't know how to rev it up. It was weird. Like you would watch me be like, wait, this is the air raid. Like what's, yeah,
1: exactly. And like we all thought, and I think Kingsbury said a preseason, like we're going to go fast. Like this is an easy transition for Kyler Murray. He doesn't have to learn a new offense, new verbiage. And there definitely were times where it was like taking a while. And then it was like, okay, he's only started one season in college. He's a rookie. Maybe that's why they're going slower. So faster pace should help the efficiency of the offense and just, you know, wearing down defenses throughout the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and I think, I do think that like it's almost, and I think there might be a little of this to Zach Taylor too, like just acclimating to being an NFL head coach. Yep. And when you're trying to run this up tempo offense at that level, like Sean McVay, not that he runs up tempo or like you're trying to, you're trying to process things quickly at it at the end, like as an NFL head coach, it's hard, it's hard to do. Yep. Um, do you think that Kyler does
1: make the leap? I do think he does because DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Josh Jones in the third round offensive lineman. I think the line will be better. Uh, but like Kingsbury said last season and what kind of is in, gets integrated with this air raid, the offensive line like matters, but not really because they are throwing so many screens and there are so many just, okay, this perimeter wide receiver has one on one coverage, just throw it up to him. And Kyler Murray is extremely athletic. Um, so with the line being just a little better, and adding DeAndre Hopkins and like you said, and, and, you know, I, I kind of echoed every game that Kyler made three or four wild throws down the field where he fit it in the bucket uh, on a corner route, on a post route, deep down the field, put it perfectly. I think we'll see more of those and maybe some of the throws that aren't as good with DeAndre Hopkins there and Larry Fitzgerald not having to take on such a uh, center or, or focal point role those bigger plays will happen even on throws that aren't perfect from Kyler Murray. So I think he does make the jump. I don't think we're talking about him as an offensive player of the year candidate, but I think the Cardinals will go into year three, very happy with the Kingsbury Murray marriage that they have.
0: The other thing that's kind of, kind of interesting to me is that um, I, I thought that with Kyler Murray, not to, not to like belabor the point here, but uh, I guess it was, it was Halloween was the first game for uh, Kenyon Drake when he came over and it did feel like for whatever reason once, and not like the stats don't even back it up, Like he only averaged like 216 passing yards per game um, after, you know, after Kenyon Drake showed up 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 65% completion percentage. It just felt like the offense got going more after Kenyon Drake showed up. Maybe that's just a byproduct of like David Johnson lost a step and wasn't prepared to play. Or like 12 steps. Right. Exactly. I mean, he's like, he, he didn't, he didn't look great. And, Again, like, that, you, know, you wonder why the Texans traded for it, but uh, different story there altogether. I mean, it, it just felt like the offense got going more, and if they can do that over the full season and Kyler can be more comfortable doing what he's doing, then he can have a big year. Uh, the second quarterback taken in the 2019 NFL Draft, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, taken by the New York Giants at number six overall. And, look, I mean, considering the general reaction to the Daniel Jones pick, uh, killed by pundits across the, uh, uh, across the land. I mean, I think, a friend of the program, Mina Kimes, is like a, and, and, and Mike Golick Jr. have like a notable clip of them on ESPN, like cackling all, yeah. at the pick. Yeah. I mean, like, we were doing the same thing on our CBS Sports HQ set on, in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in Nashville. That feels like 14 years ago. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I, mean, I think, but I think Daniel Jones had a good season, like a successful season. Sure, he fumbled 18 times. 12 interceptions, 24 24 touchdown passes and uh, 12 starts, only three and nine, only completed 61.9% of his passes. But like it felt like he belonged, and I think that's important as a rookie quarterback.
1: Yeah, just like we talked about in the intro, that you need to show some signs as a rookie. You don't necessarily need to win Rookie of the Year to then go on to have a successful career as a quarterback. And, yeah, I have to hand it to him that that I had him graded in the second round, and I thought it was going to take him longer to look the part, if he ever would. And, I mean, talk about Kyler's situation. Daniel Jones' offensive line was pretty bad last year. Awful. Awful. Yeah, really, really bad. And and I think that kind of played into how turnover-prone he was. Um, He was my seventh highest-graded quarterback in that series that I alluded to earlier out of 17. And a lot of his bad games were just like, oh, he fumbled the ball like five times in this game. I can't give (laughs) him – a a B plus, even though he made a lot of good throws. I thought he was very tough inside the pocket, took big hits, made good plays. There was that Thursday night game against the Patriots where he kind of hung in with that defense yeah. until he made some bad throws later. Um, but yeah, he like, I think if you're a Giants fan, you've got to be like, okay, he made some quote unquote rookie mistakes, but he also made some throws that did not look like a rookie and no one was really expecting that from him. Uh, the only problem that I kind of have is that they didn't pick any wide receivers. Like their skill position group is like the exact same as it was last year. Everyone's a year older, but as you would know, being a Carolina guy, Dave Guttman went three offensive linemen, which was par for the course for him in the draft. Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, and Shane Lemieux. So I think he watched the film and said, "Hey, if this quarterback had a little bit better of a line, Saquon would have got going a little bit more." And he, and he said before the draft,
0: comfortable. Yeah, he's, he's, he's well, like, look, we got to protect Daniel Jones. It's like, yeah, please ignore the fact that I gave Nate Solder this huge contract, and he's terrible. Um, yeah, they drafted Andrew Thomas. I hope he makes an immediate impact. Look, I, I, all right, so what is what is the leap for Daniel Jones? I mean, because the reality is, for Dave Gettleman to save his, like, Dave Gettleman has said, he's, and I think John Morris said this, like, they have to make the playoffs for Dave Gettleman to keep his job. But I think, if, like, they go eight and eight and just miss the wild card, and Daniel Jones is does not even need to throw it for 5,000 yards, but looks like, looks. It's looks all hard. about the quarterback. Right. Like, yeah. you'd save your job if the, if the second-year quarterback has a big year. Yeah,
1: definitely. Uh Completion percentage up a little bit, but it is interesting, and we have to keep this in context while watching him this year. Going from Pat Shermer's West Coast offense, Jason Garrett is more air Coryell, like downfield, more vertical shots. Um, so I think we'll see that from him, but it makes sense in that, Coming out of Duke, I thought Daniel Jones, he has to be in a West Coast offense, throw it short, get it out quick, quick release. He made a lot of good throws down the field last year, and that watching him progress in his first season, every game I was like, oh, there's another good throw down the field. There's This game had four or five good throws 20-plus yards down the field. So if Jason Garrett's like, hey, man, let it rip, I don't think we need to see this gigantic skyrocket in his completion percentage, um, but just don't make as many bad decisions. And take better care of the football inside the pocket. He was just, when he got sacked, it felt like every time he was going to fumble the football.
0: I mean, he had, he had like, in the second half of the season, he had three monster games. Yeah, like yeah. the loss to Detroit, uh, complete 69 or 68% of his passes, 322 yards, four touchdowns. Lost to the Jets, complete 65% of your passes, uh, 308 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, beat the Redskins 41-35, 67% of his passes completed, 352 passing yards, five touchdowns. I mean, he, like, you look at it, like, I mean, like, they, they should win those games. If you're putting, if you're putting up those numbers from the quarterback position and you're, like, your defense, if your defense can't hold anybody, the Jets, the Lions and, and the Redskins to under 30 points, well, I mean, like, that's a whole different ball of whack. Like, that's the pro, like, that's a bigger problem than, than whatever you're worried about with Daniel Jones. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a, it's an interesting window for him to take the leap where he saves everyone's jobs. And then, like, it's like, if he, Dave and gets fired, you know, is Joe Judge, I mean, like, Joe Judge, is he definitely coming back? If they – I don't know. It's a very convoluted situation there. One last point on him, which, like, you brought up, if Daniel Jones is having those
1: stats and they're scoring that many points, they should be winning the games. I think that the line will be better. Saquon's going to have an awesome season and it's going to help the play action game. It's going to take, or it's going to add another defender to the box more often. Saquon actually had one of the lowest uh, crowded box rates in the NFL last year, because they're just like, we don't need to have eight defenders in the box because we can stop the run with like six or seven guys. I think at the, toward the end of the season, I think Daniel Jones will make the leap to a certain degree, but we're going to say, all right, the line's better. But now we have like 32 year old Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. They didn't do anything outside of adding yeah. Deion Lewis. Ingram and, was receiver I mean, and
0: Ingram was hurt. Like Ingram and Barkley were both hurt like for a long time. Like I just
1: think it. that the skill position group is like solid, but not like great where I think we're going Darius
0: played really well though.
1: He did. He did. But I just think with Sterling Shepard is kind of is who he is at this point. He's in his late twenties. Golden Tate was still good after the catch, but he's thirty-two. I think there'll be Giants fans saying, Man, we want eight and eight or seven and nine. If we would have drafted a receiver somewhere or added one in free agency, we maybe could have gone nine and seven and snuck into the playoffs as that new seventh seed.
0: How is Sterling Shepherd in his fifth year? I
1: know he's That's... been around for just because he came onto the scene right away and was like good, but he hasn't really improved. He never, yeah, pace. I mean like yeah, it's just right. Yeah. The, yeah, it's the same
0: thing every year for him. I traded him in a dynasty league for like a I traded what did I trade him for? Oh, I traded him to get Brandon Ayuk. Like I had Sterling Shepard on my roster. I was like I would rather get Brandon. I was like I'll give you I, I traded Sterling it's like, it's like sure he's 27. Maybe he breaks out this year, but it's like look like, I mean at a certain point like you're just a guy who's going to catch a bunch of balls underneath and not do much and it looks Yeah, like he's it. like
1: a 12 yards per catch guy. Like that's where he yeah, is. Max. He's, he's not a bad player, but he's like a number 2 or a number, or really good number 3.
0: Yeah, yeah, a, re- a really good number three. I think that's a good description of him. Alright, Dwayne Haskins for the Washington Redskins was not supplemented by anybody other than Kyle Allen, which, uh, leads everyone to believe that Haskins, who, you know, frankly didn't look great early on, uh, he played against the Giants in week, uh, week four through three picks on 17 attempts, played against the Vikings on that Thursday night in week eight. Uh, three of five for thirty-three yards and and one interception. A lot of Twitter jokes, and then he started. He he started in week nine, I think, through the rest of the season. Although did he play week seventeen?
1: No, he he got hurt in week sixteen. That's right. That's right.
0: That's right. Uh, I mean, what qualify? I mean, like, look, his season. He had 1,300 passing, almost 1,400 passing yards, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Like, he didn't – his stats stink, and there are a lot of people who wanted them to draft Tua. I mean, that was sort of the thing I propagated, and Sean Wagner picked up on it. But, like, is there hope for a breakout and or what constitutes a leap for Dwayne Haskins?
1: Well, not all these quarterbacks can break out in year two, and I think Haskins is one who's not going to. And, and it's not solely on him because he was another one. I had him graded in the second round. He goes number 15 overall. And he was such an interesting case because 70% completion at Ohio State, 50 touchdowns. But then it's funny, looking back now a year ago, it's like he had Terry McLaurin, he had Johnny Dixon, he had a great offensive line, he had J.K. Dobbins. The situation there, like his whole receiver group ran like under 4-5 at the combine. Um, he had K.J. Hill who just got drafted by the Harris, Chargers. Harris, in the seventh Harris round. Campbell. Harris Campbell ran 4-3-1 or whatever he ran. Um, it's so much of it was yards after the catch and Dwayne Haskins, uh, pocket presence was not good because he just wasn't pressured very often and he's not a great athlete and his downfield accuracy was not good because Ohio state could just throw drag routes all day and whether it be zone or man, and those guys could just run by everybody. So I wasn't really expecting a big rookie year from him. And I think to go number 15 overall and to have case Keenum on his like 16 sitting in front of you. And then you don't play until he gets injured and, and Keenum wasn't really even playing that badly. I don't know if Dwayne Haskins would have played at all. That really shows that Jay Gruden was like, okay, this guy, we like his talent, but he's not there yet. So like you said, any kind of improvement from Dwayne Haskins, um, would be probably a positive sign, but I just wrote up his look ahead, um, for CBSSports.com and I don't really think he improved from what he did as a prospect. Those weaknesses I just pointed out, I saw those on film last year with the Redskins, that he wasn't very good moving inside the pocket. Another guy, though, did not have a great offensive line. And outside of Terry McLaurin, I mean, the receiver group is just – they drafted Antonio Gandy-Golden. Your boy Calvin Harman is there. He had a good season for a sixth-round pick. Steven Sims played pretty well. Trey Quinn. But, I mean, these are lower-level – of the roster type of wide receivers, and they didn't really add to it besides picking Antonio Gandy-Golden in the fourth round. Um, Even their offensive line isn't very good. They traded away Trent Williams. So, like, the situation I just don't think is very good and that he's going to be pressured and teams are going to really blanket Terry McLaurin. And then after that, he doesn't have a lot of playmakers.
0: Except for Kelvin Harmon, my guy. um, Was wrong on that. What are you going to do? Uh, no, I actually, Kevin Harmon played pretty well once, uh, once Dwayne Haskins got uh, under center. I mean, I, I think there's like a pathway. So here, so here's the, here's the, for me, the breakout for Dwayne Haskins isn't like 4,000 passing yards and an MVP season. Like, I think Haskins plays well enough that, like, the, if, if, if this is what a breakout would look like is Haskins plays well enough that the Redskins don't even contemplate taking a quarterback in the draft.
1: Yep. That'd be it. I agree.
0: And, and like, like people are like, nobody's like, no, nobody's talking about Washington, like, you know, trading up to get Trevor Lawrence or tanking for Trevor. They're like, now nah, they got a guy. They got their guy. Like he's showing it. He's flashing it. Sure. They're not winning games or whatever, but, but they're playing well. I mean, like, I think there's a path to the Redskins going like, not like they're not, not going to do what the Panthers did in 2011, um, where Cam, you know, set records. I don't think the volume is going to be there, uh, for, for Dwayne Haskins, but I do think there's a path for them to go like six and 10. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins to throw for 3,800 yards and 20 touchdowns. And all of a sudden people are like, all right, like, we got a little something we're cooking with here. And that's, that's like, Cam, Cam set records and he threw for 4,000 passing yards and, and 21 touchdowns. So, of course, he ran the ball as well, 706 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. But, like, I, I think, like, Haskins won't do that. But I do think there's a path to a, a breakout that, that leads them to not draft anyone else.
1: Yeah. And I just talked about all the, uh, you know, additions that the Redskins didn't make or failed to do. I really like the addition of Scott Turner, speaking of the Panthers, their yeah. young offensive coordinator, North Turner's, uh, son in that he got like an audition the last four games with the Panthers last year and had Kyle Allen and Will Greer starting for him. And the whole offense, cause I watched both those guys with that project, it was so yards after the catch base. It was so many quick throws similar to what Dwayne Haskins did at Ohio State. I think he's good at getting through his progressions, and he has a pretty quick release, and he's accurate, short, and intermediate level. So if they're just like featuring Terry McLaurin like they did DJ Moore last year, occasionally getting it to Stephen Sims, Trey Quinn, Antonio Gibson, the uh, rookie running back, wide receiver out of Memphis, that's where I think Dwayne Haskins won't be pressured as much he won't have to move inside the pocket and he won't have to try to place it perfectly down the field where he's not really good in those scenarios. So Scott Turner might be the most important uh, yeah. element of Dwayne Haskins moving forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, they, they were running an offense. I mean, by the time that Dwayne Haskins got in there, Bill Callahan was, 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 you know, was like, was running an offense. It was from the stone age. And it's, it's not, yeah. it's not fair to judge Haskins on that. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more guys in the quarterback group, Drew Locke, Ooh, Drew Locke has some players around him. Is uh, were you, were you a Drew Lock guy before the draft? And do you think he was. a breakout is coming?
1: Uh. I was. He was my number one quarterback over ah, Kyler. and a big reason ahead of for Kyler. That, ahead of Kyler, and the big reason for that was I'm a huge proponent of quarterback prospects that have a lot of experience. That I just think three four years, even if you're if you're in the Big Twelve, if you're in the SEC, wherever you are seeing different coverages, playing in more raucous environments. Uh, I think that is invaluable. So he was like a four-year starter at Missouri, and Kyler played one season. So I think he was more ready from just all those things that I just laid out. I loved his arm strength. Yeah, there were some bad throws, like the inaccuracy was there. But he kind of had that true gunslinger mentality where he could throw a pick six uh, on a sideline route on one series, and then, like, the next drive, throw the exact same route and zip it through a tight window at Missouri. So, like, I, I liked his mental makeup, too. Um, and it was interesting that Vic Fangio early in the season last year, or before the season said – He's a thrower of the football. He's not really a quarterback. Like he he kind of just like threw him under the bus right away. It was not it
0: was not a compliment. <laughs>
1: that is- and I was thinking I'm like this is an older head coach. Is he going to make him sit for a couple years? Is he not going to like that he was in the shotgun all the time? And then like because the quarterback play was so bad in Denver, they're just like, "Okay, we need to play Drew Locke now." And he played really well down the stretch. He played five games, uh 64% completion, uh around uh 7 yards per attempt and I like there was a game in Houston that they just went in and shocked the Texans where Drew Locke was like as good, if not better than Deshaun Watson in that game. Not that I'm saying, I think he's going to be better than Watson right away, but just like we were saying with Daniel Jones, he looked the part. It didn't look too big for him when he was on the sidelines for two thirds of his rookie season. Like you mentioned, Jerry Judy. I love Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Albert. O. like I like what they did to build around him, especially compared to what Daniel Jones has and what Dwayne Haskins has.
0: Yeah, only five games. So there's a lot like Exactly. I would be the the one thing I would be concerned about in projecting a breakout here is like it's it and look, he's he was your number one ranked guy. So you should continue to project that breakout. But my my concern would be that like everybody's sort of on the Drew Locke bandwagon now. They're like, ah the Broncos are gonna be great. It's like, eh, I mean like they can be I could stink. I mean, you know, Drew Locke could be like a guy who struggles as a full-time starter in a weird offseason. I mean, like it's, that's not, that's not out of the question at all. I mean, I do think the addition of Pat Shermer is sort of flying under the radar. You know, Pat Shermer's a punching bag because he stunk as, you know, Giants head coach. He stunk as the Browns head coach, but he's a good offensive coordinator and he gets a lot out of quarterbacks. And if like Drew Locke feels like the type of, like you could see him having a, I don't know if this is a compliment or an insult, but like you could Feel like he could have like a Case Keenum. is a compliment. Like Case Keenum yeah. had thirty five hundred passing yards with the with the Vikings in two thousand seventeen. He was twenty nine years old. Like you can see, like a Case Keenum type of season, like a gritty, uh impressive, but not like blow it up stat season from Drew Locke. And if he if he if he has thirty five hundred passing yards, twenty two touchdowns, and seven picks, um that's they're You're not with that. that's a breakout. That's all right, That's a breakout. There we go. Let's move to Minshew. No, we got to move to Minshew. Sorry. Uh, unless you want to add – you can add one more thing to lock.
1: If no, want. I was just going to say that that I really don't think we can uh, kind of undersell Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. Yeah. Like, what they did is similar to, like, what the Bills did and what the, the uh, Ravens did around those young quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Like, get them guys that can get open and make plays for them. Don't hope that they can elevate uh, Steven Sims and Sterling Shepard going into their second season. So the weapons around him are going to help a lot.
0: Yep, for sure. Uh, last quarterback, Gardner Minshew, the mustachioed Jaguar. Uh, what does Gardner Minshew, I mean, Nick Foles is gone. Um, what, uh, what do we, what do we expect out of Gardner Minshew? Like, Minshew had like, I, people are like hot and bothered. Like, Prisco hates Minshew. Like, that thing is me good. Like, the dude was a like an undrafted rookie. Or like, what was he, a seventh, round? was he, a seventh round? Sixth round pick. Sixth, Sixth round six pick. Like he's a six round pick and he played in 14 games and he had 3,200 passing yards, 21 touchdowns and six picks. And he like helped like, like won a bunch of those games. I don't get why people are so mad about Minshew. Maybe it's cause it was like, there's hype around him. I, I don't know. Minshew, I thought Minshew was good. Like he was just, he was just, he was fine. Like he wasn't, he wasn't great, but I mean, like he was good. There were game or most of Gardner Minshew's season
1: he did not look anything like a sixth round pick who, again, I mean, he only started one season in that Mike Leach offense at Washington state. Um, going back to my grades, he was my fifth highest graded quarterback first or second year. And to show that, that he really did not play like a six round pick. He only had two games with a D plus grade. All the rest were C, he had a couple A minuses, a bunch of B pluses. You sound, like, have, you sound
0: like me coming home from college. I'm like, look, Dad, I'm not <laughs> plus. Yeah, well, exactly. The rest were Cs.
1: But I think for – maybe for you, if you were going into college as this you know, esteemed student, that would be ah, – This fair, thing. fair,
0: fair. You know, why
1: do you have these Ds? You shouldn't be getting any D+. Pluses. But for Gardner Minshew, it was like if this guy can just like not look like the worst quarterback in the league, it would be a win for the Jaguars. And every week it's like he looks like he belongs more than Daniel Jones he only, did.
0: he only played because – Foles got hurt against the, the Chiefs. But,
1: but he stepped right in the first game. Yeah. I'm looking at the spreadsheet again. A-minus I gave him for that first game against the Houston Texans. He just came in and was just unafraid, was throwing bullets accurately. I don't really they should, know. They should
0: have won the game. They, they ran the ball to at late, late in the game on the two-point conversion. It didn't win. Yeah.
1: Every week, the- watching him, every week watching him, I was like, this does not look like a rookie six-round pick. There was two games where I was like, oh, yeah, this game kind of looks like he's a six-round pick, but – the other 12 games, you were like, this guy looks like a young, exciting rookie, threw it way better down the field than I expected because he doesn't have a good arm, but got rid of the football uh, in a hurry a lot. Leonard Fournette had a ton of catches last year, which kind of came out of nowhere. I know logic. John D. Filippo said that, um, but he got it out quickly. His improvisation really reminded me of literally Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M, second Johnny Manziel name drop in this podcast, which I was hmm. not expecting. Um so, yeah, he just needs to kind of do what he did last year. Um, he had good connections with his wide receivers. Uh, they added LaVisca Chenault in the draft. I think that's going to really help because he's awesome after the catch. Um, there were a few times that he kind of overextended plays and tried to do too much, and he's not a great athlete, um, but he made good decisions. Um, he kind of looks like a modern-day quarterback. Spread it out, get it to your receivers in a hurry, don't let the pass rush get to you, and then occasionally hit the big play down the field, and he did that.
0: Yeah, and, uh, as you mentioned, LaVisca Chenault's there, um, you know, TJ Chart, top 100 player. I mean, yeah, TJ Chark's good. Yeah, he did. Uh, but, uh, DD Westbrook, they added Chris Thompson, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but Jay Gruden, I think, uh, you go back to the offensive coordinator. It's a, now, that's one of the things you gotta worry about, you know, if you praise Pat Shermer, you praise Jay Gruden, I mean, like I was saying, I do. But it is a shortened off season. It is a young quarterback. You are learning a new offense. Sort of wonder, like, does Gardner Minshew's time bounce it, like moving from Bama to Washington State, transferring like that, having to learn new offenses in shortened times. In certain time periods, does that help him uh, this offseason? Jay Gruden makes things easy for quarterbacks and has had success as an OC. So, I, I mean, I like I like Minshew's chance uh, chances of mm-hmm. being better than people expect. All right, coming up after the break, we'll tell you which defensive players and maybe which tight ends, and maybe which ah, maybe defensive players and tight ends will take a leap next year. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today. Okay, so Nick Bosa, he's pretty good. I don't know that Nick Bosa can take a leap. He can't.
1: He already did. Right like, away. He, like he, he did.
0: just left out of the
1: box. Mm hmm.
0: I mean, I guess he, I mean he could go for like sixteen sacks, but I mean, like he was in the defensive player of the year conversation last year. So, like, if oh, he was wow. defensive player of the year this year, I guess that's a leap technically. But I think it would be cheating to say that Nick Bosa could take a leap. Uh, Quinton Williams, though, number three overall, Cleveland Farrell, number four overall. Any chance one of those guys breaks out? I don't really see
1: it. Um, wow. That that, that Quinton Williams is kind of the cautionary tale of which we talked about with the quarterbacks earlier. One year of elite production. And, I mean, I don't blame him for leaving Alabama early after the season that he had sure. in 2018, but it's like, was that just the flash in the pan? Was it just uh, an easier uh, slate of interior blockers in the SEC? I mean, he looked like he had everything that you would want. But, again, too, a lot of Alabama interior defense linemen can, like, just dominate with their strength. And then they come into the NFL, and it's like, oh, they're, they're good run defenders, but pass rushing is not really there. Uh, he only had, I think like two and a half sacks. Like he just didn't really, I, I think any Jets fan would tell you that they were disappointed yeah. uh, with his season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really, I can't really see, you know, based on his rookie year, like what he did to have encouraging signs going into year two.
0: Okay. Um, Clunin Farrell. Yeah.
1: Kind of the same thing. I mean, it, it was, I mean, he was overshadowed by Max Crosby there with the Raiders. Uh, yeah. he's, he's a good, not great athlete. That kind of worries me. Um, I liked him more than most, but I wouldn't have certainly picked him at number four overall. Um, I could see it a little bit more from him because he's has better pass rushing moves, like a, a bigger arsenal. And if he maybe slimmed down, if he's a little quicker, I think that could help. Um, but and Williams, I mean, he was only 300 pounds. Like, that's really where he's at. Like, he can't really lose a ton of weight and still hold up on the inside. So of those two, I think Ferrell could make a leap, but I'm not expecting, like, a, a gigantic season from either of them.
0: A uh, guy who could take a leap, in my opinion, and uh, you have him listed as a jump-up, but not a big one, Devin White, uh, former LSU standout, linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and, more importantly, the last person to see me before I fell off a scooter in Nashville. Oh, really? Yeah. That is was, a very good fact. I, wow. I was interviewing Devin White and, in fact, told him that I'd ridden over on a bird scooter for the interview He's like, I got to try that out. I was like, don't do it. They're crazy dangerous. Then left the interview and fell off the scooter. Like, I was wow. like, like, I hope De- I hope Devin White, here. De- he's, he's a good dude, uh, loves horses. I think he loves horses, right? Yeah, yeah. Eric Berry's scared of horses. Devin White loves horses. I thought he had a good, he led the league in terms of fumble return yards and fumble return touchdowns, 121 and two. Four fumbles recovered, had an interception, Five passes defense, three forced fumbles, 91 total tackles, two and a half sacks, five quarterback hits, and four tackles for a loss. There's some Roquan Smith to his game in terms of the – like he can put together a complete performance. Uh, second year in Todd Bowles' system, I, I, think, I think he can make a huge leap forward.
1: Yeah, what's interesting about Devin White is that early – like September, October, and November, December for him were like two completely different players that missed a ton of tackles early on. Had problems getting off blocks, which was a, li- which those were his two biggest weaknesses, I thought, coming out of LSU. But athleticism, I mean, at the combine, he tested through the roof. Yeah. He can run with tight ends. He made plays in coverage at LSU. And you saw that. I think he won rookie of the month, um, for the either, I want to say maybe both months, like of the season last year, uh, in November and December, uh, he, he was really good down the stretch. So that, is the encouraging sign that, that maybe things slowed down for him a little bit. Playing with Levante David, I think, is a huge help. That defensive line is, is pretty underrated with Vita Vea, uh, Shaq Barrett. So I think, yeah, he could make a big leap. I'm still worried about the missed tackles because you love how quickly he can get to the football. But if consistently you're just not wrapping up and running backs are bouncing off you, that's just obviously uh, negative plays for you as a linebacker. But athleticism-wise, physicality-wise, and then the fact that he seemingly started to get it later in the season, that's where I think Devin White's going to make a jump.
0: Okay. Uh, also on the list, Josh Allen, not the Bills quarterback, the Jaguars pass rusher. Uh, now they added Kayla Von chase on. Can, uh, can Josh Allen – I mean, I think Josh Allen had a case where not for Nick Bosa being awesome and the Jaguars being terrible to be the 2019 defensive rookie of the year. Ten and a half sacks as a rookie. Very impressive.
1: Yeah, and I think that was all to it. I mean, beyond Nick Bosa, like even if Nick Bosa, I don't know, got injured or didn't play, it would be like, we're not going to really give it to a player on a team that's really bad, and, and the Jaguars' defense was pretty bad last year. And like you said, adding Caleb on Jason to the outside, and the kind of the book on him is that it might take him a little bit of time to acclimate, but teams are going to have to game plan to stop Chase on too, and maybe it won't happen right away. But just to have that bookend edge rusher where teams aren't consistently double teaming Josh Allen, I think that'll be huge for him. He's big, he's strong, has good pass rushing moves, um, is a good run defender. So you're not going to only use him on like third downs and teams are passing on first and second down a lot. Now too, he'll have a lot of pass rushing opportunities. Uh, he's just a complete player. I think after Nick Bosa, like you mentioned, like he's the young edge rusher that you want on your team.
0: Mm. Uh Okay. TJ Hawkinson, Ed Oliver, Devin Bush. Why did Ed Oliver, your boy in Buffalo, ruin my, well, it's technically RJ White's, but I mean, I, I bet it. Uh, my defensive player of the year, uh, bet by going and getting in trouble.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that was. And it was weird that he got pulled over and he had a, the, the beer between his legs still. Like he forgot that get he get rid had of the beer. beer. Yeah, and he had a gun the... in his, in his trunk. Yeah. Like that's where he could get a game or two suspension. Um, I think Oliver could make the jump and and we're kind of talking about, um, I mean, after the suspension, but later in the season, having a rookie non-quarterback like show signs and four of his five sacks last year came after November, four Mm. of his five tackles for loss after November. If you, everyone watched that Dallas Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, uh, he was awesome against that really good interior offensive line for the Cowboys last season. Um, he only played like 54% of the snaps last year because, yeah, that was, was, you know, yeah. That Sean McDermott likes to really rotate his defensive linemen, I but he's a starter now. I mean, they brought in Quentin Jefferson. They brought in Vernon Butler. But Ed Oliver is not going to be behind Jordan Phillips anymore. He's going to be a starter, and he showed signs late in the season. And really, that he was my rookie of the year pick last year. I didn't factor in that he was going to be in such a heavy rotation, but I sure. think he's going to be a, a, a quote-unquote full-time player Pass rush ability. We I mean, have five,
0: the, five sacks and from 50, it's like 53 or 54 or whatever it is percent of snaps. I mean, RJ and I were talking about that. I mean, like he did, he just wasn't, he was a halftime player. Like he yeah. played half, half, half the games. Um, Devin Bush was outstanding the last year, right? Can he take another step forward? I think he can. He just, he worries me a little bit more
1: in coverage than Devin White. Um, if you look at their combines, they're like identical. Like they are yep. freak athletes, even for the modern day linebacker spot. As a run defender, he's he's small, kind of stocky, but he's super physical. He'll take on blockers. Um, I think he's a better and more sure tackler than Devin White. Um, and he did make a few plays in coverage. But I think over the course of a season, when today, as a linebacker, you're dropping into coverage a ton. And when it comes to reading what's behind you, not biting on play action, knowing where to be in your zone, he didn't do that a lot at Michigan. A lot of his plays were close to the line of scrimmage. That's the only reason why I don't see it as much for Devin Bush as I do for Devin White. But he'll make those splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. But the truly valuable plays in coverage, I just don't think he'll make as many of those as Devin White will in Tampa.
0: Okay. Uh, all right, let's look at a couple guys who are outside of the top ten as we examine possible leaps. Uh, Brian Burns for Carolina. Yeah. I mean, big big season coming, you think? Yeah, I think so because – he had,
1: what, seven-and-a-half sacks last year, didn't? and he was like, like at Oliver that he did not play 70 80% of the snaps. Um, and the biggest thing with him at Florida State, everything that he did on the field, he had pass rushing moves. He's super bendy. He played 43% snap,
0: of the snaps.
1: 43% of the snaps and still produced. He had everything that you would want from a pass rusher, but he was like 6'6", 238. I think he bulked up to 250 by the combine. The biggest thing for Brian Burns was just getting bigger and stronger. And even with this weird offseason, he's had time to do that. Watching a lot of Panthers game last year, watching those two, or Kyle Allen and uh, Will Greer, I watched the defense. <laughs> Burns flashed. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, he flashed, but it was just like there were times where he couldn't bull rush or he couldn't hold up against the run because he's so skinny. So I think a big leap's coming for him because they drafted all defensive players. They have a lot of youth on the defensive side. And I think we're going to see that he's one of the more complete young edge rushers too. He's, he'll have everything. He'll check all the boxes now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like you had Derek Brown, you had a gross Matos. So those are both two guys who are really good against the run. Yep. So like maybe Brian Burns will be asked to do less against the run and sort of uncork and fill Snow's defense. I, and I do think like you will see a situation where, uh, this team wants to give as many snaps to younger guys as humanly possible like absolutely they're, they're gonna play young guys on defense find out what they have in some of these guys and get moving all right Jeffrey Simmons he uh you know Pete Prisco wussed out wussed out and didn't make him one of his top 100 players he wanted to by 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 putting him on the, on the list as a projection for next year and a breakout what do you think is coming for Jeffrey Simmons I think he's going to have a huge
1: season because he's interesting going back to last draft season he gets injured uh early he on his after ACL
0: draft. after in between in, in the draft season. Yeah, so and
1: he finished uh just in my grading system as a top 5 overall prospect last year and that, a, a lot of people were like who's Jeffrey Simmons? He didn't go to the senior bowl, wasn't at the combine. 30 tackles for loss in his last 2 years in the SEC and for A prospect to tear his ACL and still go in the top 25, and when the Titans knew he's probably not going to play half the season, shows how highly they thought of him. And once he came into that defense toward the end of the year and in the playoffs, it was a completely different defense. I mean, even with Jarrell Casey there, he's big, he's very athletic, tons of pass rushing moves, and getting super specific, some some defensive linemen have pass rushing moves, but they're not powerful, like they they're – Moving their hands all over the place, but they're not really effective. Simmons has like lead pipes for Simmons hands, is a, for arms.
0: Yeah, he's a must. he's
1: a dude. He's a dude. So I think having the full off season, fully recovered, the power, the pass rushing moves put together. Um, I think certainly Mike Vrabel knows what he's doing on the defensive side, um, and he's just a complete player, not just an edge rusher or not just a pass rusher, not just a run defender. We're going to see him as a true three down interior defensive lineman that has a huge year.
0: And Simmons didn't go to the combine because, uh, an off-field issue, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, also career. he was hurt too. Yeah. He had a, um, so he was not invited to the combine. Like I wonder what he would have run in the, in the 40 cause he's like 6'4", 300 pounds, but he's fast for yeah, like, I mean, like you know, like you just wonder what he would have run. Like he ended up being a steal for the Titans where they got him. I it, this, it, he's, I agree. I mean, he could have, if the Titans are not playing from behind and having to throw a bunch and like, you know, aren't able to do uh, what they want in terms of, you know, defensive approach, he could have an enormous season. How about uh, out of Marquise Brown, Wanda Thornhill, and Chase Vinovich? uh, A couple of guys you like to take the leap. What do you think about those guys?
1: I'll go with Juan uh, Thornhill as the guy that I think is going to have the biggest leap, Uh, and I'm obviously kind of just reverting back to my thoughts when I scouted him. Crazy productive at Virginia. Insane combine, jumped through the roof inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Ran like sub four four. Somehow fell to the second round. Had three picks last year. Just looked the part of a of a free safety prospect that can truly play the deep center field spot and range to the sideline. He tore his ACL right before the playoffs. I think he. I mean, certainly didn't matter for the Chiefs. But I think we would have seen him make big plays in those important games. He's a super athlete and he was super productive in college and in his rookie season. Um, hopefully if he's fully healed from that ACL injury, um, I think we're going to be talking about him as one of the elite playmakers, not even just for young players, elite safety playmakers in the NFL.
0: Okay, I love it. Um, I do worry a little bit about the bounce back from uh, from injury. Uh, and the guys who won't make a leap, Noah Fant, N'Keel Harry, Rashawn Gary, and LJ Collier. If N'Keel Harry doesn't do anything and Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown have big years, it's not a good look for Bill Belichick.
1: Well, that's been the weirdest thing is that Bill Belichick is, you know, when it comes to uh, managing his roster, drafting, trading back, he's been outstanding. But his track record with wide receivers in the draft is, like, really bad for some reason. I don't know why. And the Harry pick last year was one of the biggest head scratchers because he's not a Patriots-type wide receiver. He doesn't separate. He's not an underneath guy. I I think I wrote after the draft last year, like, oh, maybe they're trying to kind of have some of Rob Gronkowski, just throw it up to him. But then there was like he didn't know how to learn the playbook. And I, I just don't think – I mean, obviously, moving on from Tom Brady, I just don't think he's that type of wide receiver that Josh McDaniels likes either. Um, and you're right, there was a lot of other good wide receivers picked after him. With Noah Fant, it's what we talked about earlier with Drew Locke that there's Cortland Sutton, who I absolutely love. I think he's going to be a superstar starting this year. There's Jerry Judy. There's Albert O, like Drew Locke's old tight end at Missouri on that roster now as well. Um, I just don't know if there's going to be enough targets for him to go around. They have Melvin Gordon too, who's probably going to catch a fair amount of passes. Um, And he's more of a straight line speed guy than a make you miss tight end, like a George Kittle. Um, So he'll be good, but I don't think we're going to see the leap from him being a first round tight end. Rashawn Gary, I just didn't know why he was a first round pick. He's a crazy athlete, but just had shoulder surgery too. He just had shoulder surgery and he's posted some videos of like running through tires and this and that. It's like, that's what Rashawn Gary looks good at, like off the field training. No pass rushing moves. Uh He has Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith in front of him. I, I don't know how he's going to get on the field. He always wants to be an edge rusher, but he should bulk up and play inside. He refuses to do that. And LJ Collier, the Seahawks for the longest time under Dan, uh John Schneider and Pete Carroll have always drafted like, crazy athletes, and L.J. Collier was not a good athlete. Yeah. And they picked him in the first round. He, like, tested terribly. I liked him on the field at TCU, but he could barely get on the field last year as a rookie. They're probably going to re-sign Clowney. I mean, I'm assuming at this point. Uh, you don't think, I, 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 feel like,
0: I feel like if he was going back to Seattle, he would have already gone, personally.
1: That's true. Well, either way, I, I just don't think Collier has the athleticism like when they drafted him, they're like, oh, he's kind of this Michael Bennett type that can play anywhere because he's taller and played inside, outside, but he's not a great athlete. And if you weren't able in that Seahawks defense last year to get on the field, I don't know how you're just all of a sudden going to get on the field and, and, and be really good and make a leap in year two.
0: LJ Collier and Akeel Harry are two guys where, I mean, look, they were taken later in the first round. So I get it. It's tough. It's you're not, you're not picking Nick Bose at number two. Like it's, that's much easier. I mm-hmm. get it. But like, if those guys don't, those guys are critical to teams that have been very successful for a long time at spots where they really need those players to be good. So, yeah, absolutely. so if, if neither one of those guys can take a leap for, uh, for, for New England and Seattle respectively, those teams may have themselves a bit of a problem on their hands. Uh, all right. Yeah, I agree. That is the, that's the show. Good stuff. Chris Trapasso, as always, breaking down uh, youthful players and, uh, tomorrow. We'll have the super friends on. We'll do a mailbag on Monday. Follow uh Traps, as he's now known, at uh, on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. And uh talk to you soon, buddy. All right, well, thanks a lot. It's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops.